Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. In 49 other states, football is just a game. But this is Wisconsin. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. Wisconsin fans demand the best. The best analysis, the best interviews, the best coverage, and no one delivers like the Bill Michaels Huddle. Good evening and welcome. We are broadcasting live. We are rivals here in Kenosha. If you want to come by, we're kind of doing the pre-party for tomorrow as we're going to be doing the show all day over at the Broadstop. But we're at rivals tonight. We are brought to you by Bud Light. The Bill Michaels Huddle out on the road again. And it is the 200th meeting between the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers, the NFL's oldest rivalry. The Packers hold a 98-95-6 and edge in the series which includes a couple of playoff games, the most historic one being the NFC Championship game in which the Green Bay Packers beat the Bears to take the Hallis Trophy at Soldier Field to go on then and win the Lombardi Trophy. Welcome to the program. I'm Bill Michaels alongside Radio Joe Zola. Mike Clements here from NFL Serious Radio. How you doing tonight, guys? Good, good. Very good. Can I be corny for a second? Yeah. So I do find it ironic it may, it may be the Bud Light people did this on purpose, but hey, we're at Rivals and it's Packers Bears Week. There you go. It's got to be something to There's that. There's nothing right? wrong with that. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, Mike, you've been up in Green Bay. Give me your thoughts because uh, I, I was telling on the air today that uh, I, the last few days I've been off. I was on vacation, just kind of milling around the house and getting some contractors over there, and we're kind of getting ready for a house party. You know that. And so every one of them walks in and says, "Hey, um." Do, 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 the, do, the, do the Bears have, have a legitimate shot at winning? Do you, do you think the Bears can win? So what's it like right now in Green Bay? Give me your thoughts. Uh, pretty serious. Um, they are very much focused on one game at a time. And Matt LeFleur now almost apologetically says that. But that's what he's all about. And today, not one of the people from the media or from a newspaper or radio or TV station, one of the people from the team's own website, Packers.com, Mike Spotford, he's trying to write about the history. Mm -hmm. You know, football fans, I don't know about you, I fell in love with football at four, five, six years old when I could watch the end of Bart Starr's career and Lombardi and the Ice Bowl with my dad, right? Right. That's where my love of football came in. And, Joe, it might have been for you watching, uh, you know, Brett Favre in the 90s. Exactly. I was four, five, six when Brett Favre was emerging, and they get to the Super Bowl 31. There's guys here now in their 30s and 40s that remember Lynn Dickey and Gary Ellerson and James Lofton and Forrest Gregg as the head coach in the 80s and their love for Packer football, right? So that's what it means to be a fan is, it, is that you like to, to connect with that history. 
And then maybe if you, if you get even older, you have an even greater appreciation for, well, why did they name it after Don Hudson? And then you look at some film and say, this guy was crazy, man. He was crazy good. So today, the guy from the team publication said, well, Coach, this Sunday, as you let off the show, is the 200th meeting between these two teams, dating back to 1923. That's got to be special, right? The coach could care less. Uh, you know, it's an NFL game. Uh, any game in the NFL is a, is a precious opportunity. Uh, we've got this game. We've got three division games, and that's what we're focused on. And I thought, you know, this guy, Mike McCarthy, who, you know, finally spoke earlier this week, you know, to the NFL Network, remember, he would, he would take a moment, like today, and he would have said, yeah, you know, the rich tradition, of the Lombardi and Curly Lambeau, and I showed the guys a video last night, and, you know, right. butt kiss and Sayers and then the mud, and, you know, what this, what this means, right? That you don't expect a 22-year-old to understand this or appreciate it, but whatever. I spent all afternoon trying to figure out where is this guy's head at, and I think I finally came up with a couple of analogies. <laughs> I remember the week that I got married, and... We had a big wedding, which we had, is very good. We had a quartet. At, we had a quartet. <laughs> right. We had a quartet at the church. We had a seven-piece band, you know, at the reception. We had over two hundred and fifty people coming. It was a moving, lots of moving parts, as they like to say. And by Thursday or Friday, before the wedding weekend, as the aunts and the uncles and the grandmas arrived, all they want to do is talk about their weddings or other weddings they've been to. They want to talk about famous wedding disasters, and I'm right. like. I gotta get this tux back. It doesn't fit one of my. I've got ten people in this wedding, and one right. suit doesn't fit. I got forty things to do before three o'clock Saturday afternoon. When we walk down the aisle. Could you please help? It would be like you guys have got a four-hour show with the guys from Chicago to talk about the Bears, right? Mm -hmm. And in your pre-show meeting, I stand up and say, "Guys, let's talk about the greatness of Earl Gillespie." <laughs> Calling the Braves World Series in 1957. Let's talk about that. Let's let's talk about you know uh, uh, Ted Moore calling the Ice Bowl. Right. You know. Let's talk about Jim Irwin. You know, and Max McGee in those days. Mike, uh, we got to do a four-hour show in 20 we got minutes. A show coming up. We got We don't have time for that. And now I get it. As I tried to put myself in the coach's shoes. I just need to get through the Bears. Right. And if we're if I got keeping these guys to 10 to 12 hours a day, you either be, be talking about Sunday's game, because if you're talking about your ice fishing trip or your golfing or, yeah. or you know, would you have, rather have Paul Horning or Jim Taylor in your backfield, <laughs> then you're wasting our time and you're not ready for Sunday's what game. What about Marianne or Ginger on the island? That's always a good discussion. <laughs> uh, Ginger, hands down. You know, she lived in East Troy. But anyway, I do. <laughs> So this is the way I thought of it when I heard him talk about that. He just kicked off the season with the 100th game. Yeah. The 100th, well, 100th season. 100th anniversary of the NFL. Yeah. So, the, it was the Bears. And, and it was the Bears then. Oh, this is, uh, listen, I, to He's me. He's been there, done that, and he already went through the butterflies of getting that standalone game on Thursday night to kick off the season. This is, we got the playoffs to worry about. We need another win. We, we, and this is a team coming in with a head of steam and a quarterback that suddenly looks like a quarterback. And our offense right now is stagnant and looks bad, even though we're winning games. And in spite of our defense giving up yardage and still bending but don't break. That's what he's got to worry about. He, go reflect on 100 years. Go reflect on 200 games. Go reflect on that some other time, some other place. Right now, it's all, this is all about Packers-Bears week and just getting a win. Well, and, and I, I get know, it. 
honest, if I get another private moment with him to talk about this, it's like, okay, you know what? I get it now. But you got to understand where your fans are. Right. And the tradition. And there's, there's people that grew up with this. And when they walk into that stadium and you see those names around the ring, you know, and they look at the south end zone and all those touchy-feely, tangible kinds of things, you know, maybe you got to throw out there and say, you know something, I get it. And in our off-season program, uh, any new Packer that comes in here, I will spend some time. I'm going to take all the guys through the Packer Museum or something right, like that. Right. You know? You know, in the off season, we'll yeah. find find a way to do that. It is, uh, but it, not week fifteen. And I got the Bears coming in, and right. I could clinch. Yeah, here's the thing, and and this is probably the most poignant statement he could have made is, uh, if we win, we win the two hundredth meeting, and we go into the postseason and we knock them out. There you that's go. the most meaningful thing to me. Oh man, you know that's Bill Michaels should, for head coach. That's what he should have. Well, said. They should bring you as the guest speaker they, this they week. They should dude. bring me. <laughs> as a damn media relations yeah. person because yeah. I could tell him. Yeah. Uh, but but that's that's it. I mean, beyond that, if he loses and says, hey, I got a game to worry about. I don't care about the history of that right now. I just got a game to worry about. If he loses, the narrative is going to be, well, he didn't care. It was the Packers-Bears rival. He didn't give it that extra 110% that you're supposed to as a head coach. And fans can get mad at you for that. But I think all the fans care about is if he wins, and if he wins by a point, he wins by a last-second field goal, if he wins by a last-second touchdown, a fumble recovery, and they play as bad as they could possibly play but still win the game and clinch the postseason and knock the Bears out, no one cares. No, no. Uh, Matt LaFleur is right now is like, I need MVS to know he's supposed to run a nine route, not a damn seven route again right. on that play, okay? Yeah. And I don't need to, to fill his head with other numbers like 200th meeting with the Bears, 1923, blah, blah, blah. The thing is, though, the magnitude of a rivalry game in any sport, it doesn't matter. It always it, it, it adds one more level to what you're already trying to prepare for in this game. And considering you have a Bears team right now that has been able to win a few games now and actually have some momentum, that adds fuel to the fire here, and, oh. and that, that needs Oh, to the happen. fact that this game means something right. is tremendous. So the Bears go 12-4. and four. They don't advance in the playoffs because of the double doink against the Eagles. They spend the spring going through nine different kickers before they, you know, settle on Eddie Pinheiro. What a mess that was, by the way. And he's not 100% either, right? But they're told in the offseason, well, the Chicago Bears, 12-4, and four, that's the Cinderella team. That's the team to watch out for. Right. And Trubisky's going to be better, and it'll be Nagy's second year in the system, and Khalil Mack and all those guys, and Chuck Pagano. You know, so you, lo- you lose Vic Fangio, but, you're, it'll be, you know, Pagano's okay. And, you're, and these guys are going to be the team to beat in the NFC, in the conference. Yep. In the conference. And then 90, she'll be 97 in January. The daughter of George Hallis, Virginia McCaskey, comes down and talks to the Bears before that game. She doesn't talk much, but she came before that game and said, boys, I've been going to these games since I was three years old. This tonight is 100 years old for this franchise. You've got to beat the Packers. Akeem Hicks said, he was asked about the, the rivalry, and he said, yeah, the day I signed, they came to me and said, yeah, by the way, doesn't matter whatever game you win, you got to beat the Packers. Right. And I don't know if that's Matt Nagy. Lovey Smith said it in his opening press conference when he took over as a head coach. Lovey, because he knows. But you know, he knows the rivalry. that doesn't come from Matt Nagy or Ryan Pace, the GM. That comes from the McCaskies. Yeah. When the McCaskies come in for the big signing of a free agent like right. you know Keem Hicks, they say, hey, by the way, you got to beat the Packers. Because right. that's from the family. Right. So Virginia goes and talks to these guys, and then and then the Bears go out and lay that turd. <laughs> 
10-3. And it's no touchdowns. Oh, yeah. You know, and just (laughs) get embarrassed by this first-year coach and this team that hasn't been in the playoffs in two years, and they got a bunch of no-names on offense and the perimeter and all that. I mean, that couldn't – that's – one of my all-time favorite Packer games. Yeah. I know it looks like you know it was a boring game at 10-3. I thought it was brilliant the way Rodgers and LaFleur were planning and and scheming in that second half to like, oh, hey, if we could just hang on, you know, if we could right. do this, if we could keep the ball away from them and all that. And then and then to end the game with a former bear, Adrian Amos, picking off Trubisky. Picking off Trubisky the end zone. You know, and then we and then we get down the locker room, and what does Tremont say? We let Mitch play we quarterback. Mitch we play just quarterback. let Mitch play quarterback. And that <laughs> you talk about Adrian, dagger. Adrian Amos said in the pregame meal, I need to make a big play for us to win. I, this, yeah. That game messed with that Bears team for the next Oh, it derailed their season. I completely, messed up I their completely agree with you. We are broadcasting live. We are rivals down here in Kenosha. If you want to come by and say hi, you can follow us over on Twitter as well, at Bill underscore Michaels, at Radio Joe Sports, at Mike Clemens NFL. You can follow us all over there on Twitter. Stay tuned. we got a whole lot more coming up. We do want to touch on the Mike McCarthy uh, stuff as well. I have not had a chance to expound upon it, and uh, we'll get Mike and Joe's point of view on that as well as the former head coach speaks. But we continue to get you ready for for the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears noon kickoff Lambeau Field this coming Sunday. We got more of the Bill Michael Huddle brought to you by Bud Light coming up right after this. Everywhere in Wisconsin, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Kenosha, we certainly appreciate everybody that uh, hung out tonight and the faces in the crowd here this evening as well. We uh, are always impressed with everybody that comes out and turns out for the program. We're also brought to you by our friends at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Mike Clemens alongside with Radio Joe Zanzola here as well. And uh, so anyway, uh, guys, we were sitting there talking about to the rivalry and kind of kind of setting the groundwork, I guess, for this upcoming game on Sunday. But, Mike, you had talked a little bit about Mike McCarthy and what McCarthy would have done. And, uh, Joe, I know you guys discussed it a little bit yesterday. So, what did you – Joe, I'll start with you. What did you take away from the interview Tom Pelissero did with Mike McCarthy? Mike McCarthy's hungry to come back to coaching. And what I realized about him is being cooped up in the house every single day – yeah, he's closer to his family, but he's also realized that he's having withdrawals from the game. And he has put so much work into learning about the league, learning about where it is now, learning about how offenses are run. And now he has this regimen where day by day he's just doing different things when it comes to looking at analytics, looking at film. He's working with former NFL uh, head coach Jim Hazlitt. He, he's coming up there. They have these meetings. and it, There is no question that Mike McCarthy wants to be a head coach in this league next year. And based on how things have gone in the league this year with so many new fresh faces, including Matt LaFleur, LaFleur, fortunately, it's worked out for him. But for a lot of these younger coaches who were coordinators, they're failing. And so now the trend, it seems like, is coming back to, well, maybe we need an NFL head coach who has experience, who's won, that can actually put our team in the right direction. Well, Mike McCarthy's doing everything he can. He's fighting tooth and nail to get back to that point next year. And there were points in this interview on NFL Network where he was crying. And you want to look at it and say, 
all right, Mike, maybe you should lighten up a little bit. But then again, this has been his life. And even though he's been closer to his family, I think it's bothering his family a little bit. And he even said it, I want to do it for my family here. Moving out of Green Bay, settling in somewhere else, being a coach again, that's what fuels me, and that's what makes me who I am. It's part of my DNA. So I totally understood. Mike, Mike McCarthy, he's a human being, a very genuine human being, and I guarantee you this man's going to be a head coach somewhere next year. I don't know where. I guess Cleveland, that'd be the first place I'd look at, but there's so many other places that he could end up. I, uh, Mike, when other coaches have left, and the most recent one that I can think of is Mike, Mike Sherman, uh, and Sherman stuck around Green Bay for a while. That's the biggest business and building in the area. It's it's it looms large over everything. It's got to be hard to drive past that building and know that you and you got a street named after you, and you can't walk in that building, and you've been kind of excommunicated. And so people approach you in the grocery store or when you're at a high school basketball game or you're, you know, it's just. It's got to be tough to have that looking over you every day, knowing everybody else is going to work but you, and you have a knowledge and a desperation, uh, almost a need, if you will, to get back on that sideline. Well, McCarthy said uh, there was at least two or three times uh, when he said, okay, I'm home. I don't have to be at work at 6 o'clock in the morning. Uh, Let me take the kids to grade school. Let me experience being a full-time dad is like. And two or three times the kid's like, dad, dad you missed the turn to the school and he was going over the bridge to it's the lambeau field he was going to work it's just like you know muscle memory right um uh, he he put everything into that job uh 99 of the fans are proud of what the way he represented the franchise uh and the effort that he put into it uh if he was sitting right here um i liked him i respected him um i like his personality but um at the end of the day, uh, where I used to, I thought I would appreciate that he had a twenty, uh, a veteran of twenty-five years as an offensive line coach in James Campen, and a guy had been with him for ten or fifteen years in Joe Witt as his secondary coach, and uh, you know what Dom Capers' role was there. I know that the uh, the positives and the negatives, what it was like working for Ted Thompson, that probably limited what McCarthy had for resources. Yeah, uh, all of those kinds of things, and limited his ability. From what I understand, also discipline. But what I learned is is what Andy Reid went through. Jeff Lurie is the owner of the Eagles. He's a pretty good guy. He's not a jerk. Uh, he started a chain of movie theaters, bought the Eagles, wants to win. And as I've told you earlier, and Joe and I, in a couple of these trips we've taken, we're trying to learn more about these owners, to be around them, to see what they're like. And they're all billionaires. They're, but they're extremely competitive, and they're very much focused on getting a Super Bowl ring. Everywhere from the from the Redskins to the Jaguars to the Patriots, you know, getting their eighth ring. They're all very competitive. It hurts to lose. Um, Jeff Lurie, after 13, 14 years, had a really smart coach in Andy Reid, but they just could not get to the next level. And at some point he said, i, I got to change. And Andy Reid... Got hired by John Dorsey, a Green Bay guy, out with the Chiefs. And what did he do? He retooled his staff, and he brought in young, bright guys. And one of them was Doug Peterson, a backup quarterback to Favre, who ended up doing what? Going to the Eagles and winning a Super Bowl. And then another one that went to the Chicago Bears and got them back into the playoffs for the first time since Lovey had been there. 
And Mike McCarthy did not do that. Now, here's what he's showing us with the McCarthy Project. Oh, I got Jim Haslett. This is a guy that he worked for. He's a defensive coordinator. Jim is now 64 years old. He was the head coach in the early 2000s of the Saints. Now, I, that doesn't mean that would be necessarily his defensive coordinator. But he's got that guy. He's got Frank Signetti, a guy he's known since his days in Pittsburgh that was the quarterback coach for the last year in Green Bay that you remember we kind of made fun of. Made fun of. You know, it's like Chris Farley, the man living in the van down by the river, right? Right. Um, And Scott McCurley was an assistant to an assistant on the last defensive staff that they have when McCarthy was there. Um, He's not impressing me there. And I do know the incident where he started yelling at some refs at one of his kids' high school basketball games. That that left owners around the league scratching their heads like, where is this guy at emotionally? Right. right. I, I, I was looking at the standings and trying to think what might be a fit. I, the latest wave I'm hearing is that Freddie Kitchens is actually probably going to be okay next year. That, that, that You know what? They're getting a little bit better, and they're all growing, and if they can <laughs> get Odell Beckham to, you know, to shut up and, and settle down, that maybe they can you know, turn this thing around and have a winning record next year. Um, the one place I think he could go is the Jacksonville Jaguars because I think Doug Marone is a buffoon, former Bills coach. Um, I, the more I learned about how he threw Nathaniel Hackett, your current offensive coordinator in Green Bay, under the bus the season before because right. two years ago he got that Jaguars team with a tremendous defense into the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Marone, you know, that's a, an opening waiting to happen. You could see Mike McCarthy, and you could see the Jaguars owner selling to the town of Jacksonville that's got a lot of empty seats at that stadium someday, saying, we're bringing in Green Bay, man. We're bringing in Pittsburgh Macho. We're bringing in a guy with a Super Bowl ring, and we're bringing in a guy who can work with quarterbacks and Nick Foles. And that's what this team needs, and is a better communicator, a better play caller than Doug Marone. That could be a great opportunity for him. And, and I think that's a job that McCarthy would like you know the way they set it up i don't know much about their personnel department or their scouts and i'll bet you mccarthy's going to ask for that this time around on the other hand he's 56 and he hasn't done anything to help himself you know get in better shape physically and this is a demanding grinding job the trend is to hire guys about 40 42 the trend is to hire 38 to 42 year old david stearns type guys as the gm does he really want to work with a 56-year-old guy right. that's been in the league for 30 years? Yeah. Or does he want to work with a contemporary right. when it comes to you know working side-by-side side and picking the team, assembling the roster, coaching the team, calling games, winning games? So those things are against him. And just as a for instance, if, if a guy like Dan Quinn gets fired in Atlanta, he might have to compete with a guy like that. Yeah. And the other thing I would look at is this. He came in with a class of Sean Payton, who interviewed for that job, and Ted passed on Sean Payton. So then Payton had to get the job with the Saints a couple of weeks later. Right. Sean Payton's a better coach. Sean Payton's a better well, he, coach. Wasn't it the same time with Mike Tomlin? Mike Tomlin was a year ahead, maybe? Mike Tomlin into, is a better coach. Went to yeah. a year ahead over to Pittsburgh? Mike Tomlin's on his third quarterback, and he's still got a chance at the playoffs. Right. It's incredible and this is, what they're doing. And, and Mike McCarthy is supposed to be the quarterback guru, according right. to his on publicity and Green Bay's publicity. Yep. And Pete Carroll left college and came back in the NFL, and Pete Carroll outcoached Mike McCarthy in that dreaded NFC Championship in 2014. And if I'm 
sitting around a table, I'm going to say these are the negatives against Mike McCarthy. Maybe we need to get a hot offensive coordinator like a Greg Roman or somebody. Maybe Roman wouldn't be a fit because Roman Roman worked for Jim Harbaugh, and they got a running quarterback in Kaepernick, and now he's doing it with Lamar. With Lamar, you Lamar know, Jackson, with the Jackson. Lamar Jackson, uh, with the Baltimore Ravens, um, but that there's if there's five or six jobs open, there's a lot of competition for that musical chairs. Let's do this. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We're going to come back more to discuss regarding the rivalry. We will talk a little bit about Mike McCarthy and kind of further close this, close the story. But we are broadcasting live here at Rivals Sports Bar down here in Kenosha. Right, uh, almost uh, just, you can throw a baseball out on the ninety four. Come on by and say hi. And uh, we're going to be here until eight o'clock this evening. Uh, we've got our uh, Bud Light team here as well. We are brought to you by our friends at Bud Light. When you come down, you get registered. You get registered to win at the end of the season. We don't have many of these left. You get to uh, register to win the big screen TV that we're giving away. Compliments of Chris and the gang over at ABC Audio Video. ABC Audio Video, they get it done, they get it done right, and that is the uh, group right now that is putting uh, in everything in my home and doing a fantastic job. we got a lot more of the Bill Michaels Huddle coming up right after this. Wisconsin-wide, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Just being ready for this this next opportunity. You know, on a personal level, I think it's helped all of us. Sustaining success in this league is is the biggest challenge. To do it right and to be in position to win it every year, that's you know, that that's what I'm that's what that's what I'm looking for. So that's that's the opportunity. That's who I want to be paired with. You know, I'm not trying to just go win one. I'm trying to win them all. Welcome back to the program. It's Bill Michaels Huddle brought to you by our friends at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. And those are the words of Mike McCarthy, and he uh, did an interview with the NFL Network. And uh, it aired, and there's been reaction to it. We're just kind of wrapping things up and, and kind of kind of giving the uh, the opinions here uh, regarding the uh, Packers' former head coach, Mike Clemens, alongside Radio Joe Zanzola is here as well. My opi- When I saw this, my reaction was this is a guy that desperately wants to get back, believes he can still coach, refuses to believe the game is passing him by, believes he's innovative, and yet there's something deep inside that says football completes me in both as a coach in my life. And you miss it. You miss the daily grind. You miss being that guy. You miss having streets named after you. You miss chasing a championship. You miss coaching guys. And I agree with you guys in the sense that now, now Joe, you believe he's going to get a job. I, I do. I, I, and I agree with what Mike had to say. He's got some opportunities. And, and when you go back to to the 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 quarterback guru tag and i look i when, when even when i've had chances to talk to mike i've said look it, you have the coaching guru tag you you started out with brett Favre here you drafted not aaron Rodgers in san francisco you brought in a bunch of quarterbacks ones you drafted guys you brought in nobody panned out and the guy that said, screw you, I'm going to do it my own way, really worked out. Now, they did change Aaron Rodgers coming out of that uh, – what, what was his head coach over in Cal? Uh, Tef, um, Jeff Tepper. Jeff Tepper. Yeah. He did change kind of Aaron. They changed his mechanics uh, from the Tedford uh, way. But 
Aaron had this talent that we all saw his first year when he was practicing against Brett Favre and running the scout team. We knew how good he was. Right. So here's the question. I'm just going to ask this flat out. Is Mike the quarterback guru? Or did he get lucky with a really talented cat? Because that's what you're asking if you're, a, if you're an owner going to your scouts and saying, I'm, I need a head coach. Is Mike McCarthy worth kicking the tires on? I mean, there's only one quarterback outside of Aaron Rodgers that actually worked out well for them, and they had to bring him back when Rodgers went down with an injury, and that was Matt Flynn. I mean, Matt, Matt Flynn is the only quarterback that comes to mind that actually wasn't bad, and he actually got, after he left Green Bay the first time, he got paid. He got paid, and he got benched for Russell Wilson. Right. That, I mean, Matt Flynn just totally crapped the bed. There. Right. But, I mean, outside of that, Brian Brom was another guy that when the Packers drafted him, some thought Brian Brom would overtake Aaron Rodgers, and that never happened. And then you just go through the long list. You know, they thought they could get Vince Young back. That that didn't work. They, they tried Seneca Wallace. That didn't work out. Mike, is there anyone I'm missing? Is there Matt Flynn seems to be the only other guy that – turned out to be okay brian brom out of louisville i remember Vince young they brought in no brian brom um he couldn't get the exchange from the quarterback from the center to the quarterback down in practice <laughs> right come on yeah i mean it was embarrassing and there was one time where one of the guys from the team uh said hey after they had had a win against the colts and peyton manning said hey we're getting together with the guys so brian was a part of the group i mean it was like whitson was in the bar and donald lee and Aaron Rodgers showed up, and A.J. Hawk came. And, you know, so Brian was there as, as, as part of the game because he was in the quarterback room. But Matt Flynn was the dude. I mean, just Matt Flynn was the seventh-round pick um, out of Texas, uh, the, from the same area, I believe, as Matthew Stafford. And if Flynn hadn't gotten into the NFL as a quarterback and made $25, $30 million, he probably would have been a good fighter pilot. Just cool, man. Just yeah. no big thing. Didn't talk much about it. Collected a nice check from the Seahawks, uh, had a shoulder problem, did not compete for that job with Russell Wilson. And like you say, Joe, they, they brought him back, and son of a gun, he came back in and, and won some games when Rodgers had that, that collarbone injury. No, I think that's something you have to judge. That Regardless, of the, if Ted Thompson had the final say most of those years of the roster, and then it was him and Brian Gutekinds, by the way, that went in together on the Deshaun Kaiser thing. And... You know, Kaiser just, you kept looking at him every day and saying, he's got this athleticism. He had just kept on waiting and waiting for a year for something to click, and it never clicked. It just never clicked. And now he's, you know, a third-string guy, I believe, for the Raiders. Um, you know, he got these two tremendous, self-driven, motivated, uh, extremely talented quarterbacks and taken over for Favre. There's things that he did to help Favre to get to 13-3 and three in his, what turned out to be his fine year at Green Bay. And nobody works harder than Aaron Rodgers. And, I mean, Aaron Rodgers works hard at this every year, year-round. That It just doesn't come as a gift from God. He's had to work for everything he's had. There's, Aaron took some offense to some books that were written about him after the Super Bowl that said yeah, it was Mike McCarthy that cured him of that high carriage of the football from Jet Tefford. Right. And Aaron Rodgers was here to tell you, I did that. I did this in my own offseason. I didn't get that from any coach in Green Bay. There's an awful lot I did for myself to help this situation out. Hey, Sam, I sent you some audio there uh, that I'd like to call for here in a second. Let us know when you're ready. Um, Mike McCarthy 
this week was asked, all right, Mike, now if you get back in the NFL, uh, you know, you'll, will you have a, a new look to your offense? You know, this this uh, motion like, right. you know, Kyle Shanahan's got, and Sean McVay's got, these misdirection plays. And uh, he said, well, it depends on the team that I would go to. It would be tend to depend on the team that I would go to and the personnel. You know, different different team, different all that. If you've got Lamar Jackson, well, you're going to come up with a running game for the quarterback, right? right? Or Mitchell Trubisky, as Matt Nagy's finally figured out. Um, but he said, you know, and then this was a drop the mic. He goes, you know, Aaron didn't really, Aaron liked to keep it stationary before the snap. What? That was, what? Yeah, that was, um, that goes back to everything that we heard. It, it, that gave me, when I heard that, that gave me another feather in the cap for Tyler Dunn. Yeah. When I heard that, when those two gave distinctly different desires for the way the offense, the way they wanted the offense to be run and what the others wanted done. Well, I asked Aaron Rodgers about this yesterday. Do you have that clip, Sam? Let's do this. Not we'll yet? A, we'll take a break. Okay. He'll have it. He'll have it when we come back. Let's do this. We'll take a quick break. We'll come. Excuse me. Come back. We'll hear, hear what Aaron Rodgers had to say. Broadcasting live here at Rivals, where you're here in, uh, in Kenosha. If you want to come by, getting you ready for the Packers and the Bears. And we are going to move on. We're going to talk Packers and Bears coming up. We were just kind of putting a uh, kind of a ribbon on this discussion with Mike McCarthy and some of the insight into the uh, background that went on behind the closed doors of 1265. Going to go ahead and take a quick break. We are brought to you by Bud Light. We got more right after this. You're listening to the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. This rivalry's been around a long time uh, before I got here. It's going to be around a long time after I'm done, I bet. Uh, But it's been fun to be a part of so many of them. I think I've been a part of, uh, shoot, I don't know, in the 20s, somewhere mid-20s. It's a great rivalry for the game. You know, obviously the history of that. It's nice to be on the uh, other side now. I know when, uh, you know, Farby started back in early 90s, I think we were on the other side of uh, this rivalry, and now it's nice to be up by three, I believe. There you go. That's Aaron Rodgers talking about the Packers and the Bears. And He's been at 23 of them. And uh, He's 18-5 and five against the Bears. Yeah, it, uh, between him and Favre, they've been Bear killers. Yeah. They Put it this way. When Favre started, weren't the Bears, correct me if I'm wrong, up by like 15? Yeah. Back in the 90s, 16. that's what Aaron was referring to, yeah. Yeah, it, it was it – was, got rather lopsided from mid-80s on. And uh, during the Forrest Gregg era – the Bart Starr era, it it swung dramatically back in favor of the Bears. And then along comes Mike Holmgren, and it has been almost dominance of the Chicago Bears ever since. So if we got that uh, clip with the interview I had with him yesterday with Aaron Rodgers, no, can't, okay, well, then I'll paraphrase. So I, I asked Aaron, we watched all through OTAs and training camp, the installation of this Matt LaFleur offense with the motion, pre-snap with the misdirection and we saw it you know in the game against the bears in the first month of the season now you've been in shotgun a lot you know and not as much motion right they use the motion um they pat remember they they threw four passes against the eagles and they couldn't score mm-hmm. so after that game you saw them use the misdirection plays to aaron jones to run it in 
And then things, you know, they lit up the red zone, right? So I said to Aaron, given that you're the best in the business, outside of maybe Brady, that when you break huddle, you look up, you can already tell what the defense is going to do. Just by the way they've lined up, right. that you've seen everything this game. And he said, I appreciate that. And I said, so I know that motion is used not only to try and drag a guy over to the other side and then open something up, but also helps the quarterback figure out what's going on in the defense. It also can create problems. It can create false start penalties. It can create, you know, illegal formations. I said, are there some times where that motion can be bad? And he said, I don't know about bad. He said, but, you know, um, we got to a period there where we were following what Peyton was doing, Peyton Manning, in the Omaha days, right. where he's back there in the shotgun, and he had his two bunch formations and his three bunch formations. He said, Mike and I liked that, and we kind of decided that, you know, keeping things stationary was, was better. So from Aaron's standpoint, he's saying, no, this is something McCarthy and I agreed on. Let's keep it stationary. Let's work the different lanes out there, outside the tackles with these perimeter players. And let's work on, you know, what you, the McCarthy offense in the last right. four or five years. But at that time, they had the personnel they had a better in bunch for, for formations to say, any one of you guys are going to get open. Just give me a second or two to find which one's going to be open, and we've got a mismatch, and I'll go to it. You don't have that same personnel. That was the argument was, right. and Greg Jennings said it most poignantly at Super Bowl. He said, when it was me and Donald and James and Jordy and Michael, and he said, you knew going to the line of scrimmage, we all could beat our man. Yeah. So if you didn't do it quicker than the other guy, you were never going to see the ball. Pick your poison. Yep. So this isn't that offense. This is, will Devontae beat his man? And if not, now I've got to find another guy that's open. Now let's not forget also, it was during that game against the 49ers, and they had that C.J. Bethard, you know, backing up because Garoppolo was out with the torn ACL. And Aaron Rodgers later told us uh, on that day, as they're watching this game go back and forth, and had it not been for a Kevin King interception, the, that game could have gone into overtime, and the Packers would have lost to this this uh, tough for, this 49ers team was losing games last year. Aaron commented, that looks fun to run. The Kyle Shanahan, misdirection, yeah. you know, the, the triple fakes, all that kind of stuff, and the stuff that Sean McVay was doing in that where they lit up the scoreboard on a Thursday night against the Vikings. He was out with his offensive line, took him out to dinner, and he kept looking at the TV and watching the Vikings and the Rams, you know, trade touchdowns like, you know, 37, 35, 42, 37 on a, on a Thursday night. And that's when the McCarthy offense took the hit that it looked stale, that it was time to bring in one of these young coordinators, you know, like a Matt LaFleur, and, and get up to speed with things that were going on in the league. And that's what transpired. But it's interesting that there's still a little bit of that going on between these two parties about right. who said what when. Yeah, it's, uh, do you, and we've only got about a minute here, Joe, but it, what I said was the piece that Tyler Dunn wrote that a lot of Packers fans wanted to, you know, regard as trash, and people inside the organization were pissed off about. Every time we hear something like this leak out, does it just lend more validity to what Tyler Dunn wrote? Absolutely. I, I just, I think you have a quarterback that got a little too smart for himself, and again, Aaron Rodgers studies everything. Aaron Rodgers is always learning. He's always he, he he wants to be the best that he can be. 
But as things continue to went on, it just it felt like Aaron just had a way of doing things that he was he just felt like Mike McCarthy was flat out wrong. Like you know what, I, I am smarter than this dude. Then the success is there, and I, and I I know I'm right about this, so I'm gonna go with what I feel comfortable with. I don't know, I don't know if we're ever gonna find out the full story from either one of them. Oh, we I will. You th- you think one of those guys would write a book after it's all said and done? No, not a book, but you know after the careers are over with, those stories come out. Um, I'll tell you one other quick thing too about Mike McCarthy because Mike Mike Sherman said this to you, Bill, at Super Bowl. And he said that first year after he'd you know been fired from the Packers yeah. and he's still living in Green Bay. He felt like a ghost, yeah, like a shell of himself. Yeah. The two harshest things said about the McCarthy Ted Thompson era were public statements, not from unknown sources. They were saying that the McCarthy offense was stale, and we had silos of right. walls up of lack of communication that had been going on for years. Back to Ron Wolf, that came from the president, Mark Murphy. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. It's obvious. Yeah. It, it's. Uh, I think it's I, obvious. I go back. I was he told, said that at a press conference. Yeah, I was told that even. Uh, Mike, who tried to be the the, the macho, tough, blue collar Pittsburgh guy, and would preach the you know bring your lunch pail, hardworking, nose to the grindstone, you do as we say, disciplined stuff. He said after a guy, the, the guy that was in that locker room told me that after a while, guys were like, yeah, whatever, because Ted's not like to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Ted Ted snipped him, and for as bad as things got, and you can say maybe that hurt McCarthy. In the sense of guys didn't respect him anymore. If you if you're a coach, but yet you don't have control of your own team, the guys know you're as good as is dead in the water. You're just floating out there and hope, hoping for a life preserver. And Ted never gave you one. We're gonna go ahead and take a quick break. Stay tuned. We got another hour of the Bill Michael Settle broadcasting live down here at Rivals, and we are brought to you by Bud Light. We got more coming up right after this. Border to Border, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. In 49 other states, football is just a game. But this is Wisconsin. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. Wisconsin fans demand the best. The best analysis, the best interviews, the best coverage, and no one delivers like the Bill Michaels Huddle. to the Bill Michaels Huddle. We are broadcasting live here at Rivals. We are in Kenosha. Come on by and say hello. I am Bill Michaels and uh, alongside Radio Joe Zola, we are down here with Mike Clements from the NFL Serious Radio as well. And we are brought to you by our good friends at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. We've got Mel and the gang down here tonight giving away all kinds of prizes from Bud Light and getting you ready to possibly win the big screen TV that we're giving away at the end of the season. Compliments of ABC Audio Video. Chris and the gang there, they'll get you all wired up and hooked up in your house just in time for the big game so come on down and get registered or at any one of our remaining huddles throughout the remainder of the season um sitting here with joe and, and mike now we talked a lot about mike mccarthy in that last hour um about a half hour's worth as a matter of fact and, and now we move on to the rivalry game so and i put it out there a little while ago i said you know during the last couple of days i can't tell you how many people came up to me and talked to me about you know do you really think the bears have a shot in this game so I'll start with you, Joe. Do we fear Mitch Trubisky 
or do you fear the defense, which is starting to get a little bit of steam about them more, or is this just an apparition and, and they're just going to figure out a way to fail? No, I'm afraid of the Chicago Bears. I can't believe I'm saying it. I feel very eerie about this game coming up. And, you know, throughout my life, watching Packer Bear games, especially at Lambeau Field, there have been some disappointments over the years. There, there's just something, especially now with the Bears and the way that they're playing, I, I just I don't feel right about this game at all. Should I fear Mitchell Trubisky? The answer to that question is no. I, I'm not afraid of him. But I could see this Packer defense doing some stupid things and letting Trubisky run on his feet. That's something that Matt Nagy has finally figured out. I don't know what took him so long to figure out, you know what, I'm putting too much on Mitch trying to be a pocket passer. I should let him go back to kind of what he does better, and that's getting out of the pocket and running. And, boy, that that would work really well against this Packer defense. I think I fear more the Bear defense because you have to respect Khalil Mack. And it feels like maybe this year for Khalil Mack, it's kind of been a slight disappointment from a production standpoint. He's still going to be dominant, but it just seems like the output that he's had this year, it hasn't been as impressive in years past. Now, again, going up against the Packers, we saw Brian Bulaga struggle last week. Um trying to handle the pass rush so maybe they line Mac up on Bulaga I, I think you have to respect this Bears defense no matter what Akeem Hicks is going to be coming back uh, I don't expect him to be playing the entire game and, and he should be back that's the sense that we get but it doesn't sound like he's going to be playing 50-60 snaps in this game it seems like they're going to ease him way, ease him back in and depending on how he looks out there maybe that gives him more snaps as the game goes on not sure though uh, Prince of Mukamara is going to be coming back from an injury. That's going to be a huge upgrade in the Bears' secondary. I, I just think all around, you know, Pagano's done a pretty good job with this defense overall, and the defense has been kind of key here in keeping keeping the Bears in a lot of games, even in which they ended up losing. They were still in the game, and now it's been coming out more than ever. I'm fearing the Bears' defense, and after what I saw from the Packers last week against Washington, Washington has a good defense. It's not a bad defense. It it really raised some eyebrows for me that this could be a long day if the Packers are not smart offensively with that football. And if they start giving Aaron Rodgers time in the pocket, eventually the Bears are going to get home, and it's going to lead to some trouble. Mike, you uh, you got trepidation about the Bears coming to town? Yeah. Um, I'm going to pick the Packers 24-20, but I could see the Bears winning this game for the main reason is this two of the three games that you lost this year was the opponent was more physical the philadelphia eagles and the san francisco 49ers this is another physical team now they're beat up uh even though uh, akeem hicks is going to be back for maybe 35 snaps roquan smith the middle linebacker is gone gone is he done for the season huge loss for them huge loss for him uh, roy robertson harris i like him is out uh right now with a foot injury um, he's highly underrated in my book. That guy throws people around. Big mm-hmm. fan. But with Hicks back, you know, even against the Chargers, and the reason you lost to the Chargers is because the head coach, Matt LaFleur, said it himself, they were just flat. They, that was just not their day. That's going to happen in a 16-game season. But remember when they kept on lining up Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa up on the light on the right-hand side of the Packers' right. offense up against Balaga with a sprained knee and mcl and how that guy's going on the last two or three weeks with that in pass protection is amazing to me and billy turner 
um, that's going to create some problems for Aaron Rodgers. That's not going to solve the problems that the Packers had, at least in the first half of that game, where Rodgers was running for his life, you know, and making unbelievable Houdini-like moves in a collapsing pocket in week one against that Bears defense. So that's going to be trouble. The What about Tariq Cohen busting one on a questionable special teams unit or Cordell Patterson? Yeah. Patterson was limited today in practice. He's got some sort of a head injury they've got listed, but he's their kickoff return. He's like returning 25, 30-yard kickoff returns. Mm-hmm. And he's become more dynamic in jet sweeps, end arounds. He's become dynamic in the run game as much he so it is him, quick he out. He beat him last the, year yeah. in that game I covered in New England against the Patriots when Bill Belichick had him line up and run at a, as a running right. back. Yeah. He had like six or seven carries for 50, 60 yards and a touchdown. So those are the kinds of things that could be a question mark for Green Bay. Well, and here's one other guy to pay attention to, and he's been a bit of a disappointment for the Chicago Bears considering where he was drafted. But Leonard Floyd, even though he feels kind of like a bust right now, nearly half of his sacks in his career have come against the Packers. Of course. Of course. It's a guy that uh, maybe takes the rivalry serious and nothing else. But but I agree. He's he's had an impact. Then again, uh, let me ask you this. How good is this Packers offensive line? We praise them enormously for pass protection and, and such. But as far as offensive lines, historical offensive lines, are they good or average? Well, the good news is the outside zone has actually worked now the last couple of weeks when they get Aaron Jones involved. Yeah. And it certainly did. Uh, in this week against the Redskins, but it's against a, a team that's three and nine, three and ten now. Right, you know, a losing yeah. team. Even though they had some pretty big guys, but they it seems Washington like, had a good front seven too. It seems like the outside zone blocking at week fifteen is finally getting a little bit better in the timing. It also might be Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams being patient and waiting just the right amount of time before they make their cut. It gets complicated. It does get complicated, but there's been times where we saw them run right up the middle and inside zone against the Cowboys. Um, and it worked great. Gashed him. It worked yeah. great. Um, I Aaron, still, that's the difference with Aaron Jones, though. He does not need a big gap. He's just quick enough to get through it. Suddenly he's second level, and he can make his own space after that. It's getting space to run the football and not. It's getting also downfield penetration. When, when you're stalemated at the line or you're getting upfield penetration and, and they're getting pushed into your backfield and cutting off cutback lanes, that's when you look at your offensive line and say, how physical really are you? That's what San Francisco was very successful at doing. So Aaron Rodgers is just, you know, Mr. Off Schedule. I mean, it's not like they're really running plays the way they're scripted. No. He's just out there working around. And um, if the Bears, like Pagano said he was going to do last spring, hey, with this roster, man, I just have to rush forward, and I can drop seven. I can beat anybody with that. Yeah. And I think he's got enough horses to still try and pull that off Sunday uh, against the Packers to you know, keep Aaron Rodgers' clock ticking and occasionally shoot a guy, maybe a corner or a linebacker, as a pass rush. Um, but I don't know. I would – I just – the way the Packers have played against inferior, falling apart teams like the Giants and the Redskins – they're not going to put up 40 on the Chicago Bears. No. They, since no since Devontae Adams came back, they've only scored 30 or more one time when they were trending to 30 to 40 points consistently prior to his injury and during his injury. 
Uh, and that was against New, New York in the Meadowlands. Yeah, in that terrible, terrible weather game. What saves them is the turnovers created by Mike Pettin's defense. You know, they've cut down on a couple and of games. And that was a two, two or three turnover game that the, the defense gave them. You know, the way Trubisky's played the last three weeks, he's the best quarterback they've faced in the last month. Really? Hasn't he? I mean, against yeah. Wayne Haskins. Haskins, Haskins has Jones, better athletic Jones, ability, but yeah, you're right. You know, Jones, by the way, he's out. I mean, he, that kid was playing with the last two weeks. The quarterbacks ended up playing much of the second half with, with bad ankles. Yeah. You know? I, I can't even believe Dwayne Haskins stayed in that game. I thought they were going to pull him at some point. Just it, it just it just seemed like a suicide mission to try and do that. He got him. hit by Preston Smith at the end of the second yeah. quarter and went back out there, taped up, and played the second half on a sprained ankle. That's that's where, as a rookie quarterback, though, you earn your stripes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, sure. Remember, Aaron Rodgers got his when he broke his foot on the second play in the second half when Brett Favre went down against New England at Lambeau Field. I remember that game. And and he had broke his foot. He was in a, a cast the rest of the season. It was done. He played he was the out whole the second season, half with but it. He played the whole second half with a broken foot. And and I remember Mark Tauscher at the time. Uh, I was talking with him and Chad Clifton, and they went, that dude's a warrior. That that, that guy's going to get it when he takes over. And, and that earned him stripes. He played thing. all last year with a – Fracture in his knee, yeah. thanks to the Chicago Bears week one. Well, we'll see if uh, it, it, well, hopefully it doesn't happen again, but we'll see what kind of physicality this game brings come Sunday. Uh, stick around. we got a lot more of the uh, Bill Michael Settle. We're broadcasting live down here at Rivals. We're in Kenosha. Come on by and say hi. Radio Joe Zanzola here. Mike Clemens here. And uh, coming up here at the bottom of the hour, we're going to start making our picks for the uh, full schedule of NFL games this coming weekend as well. We'll break all of that down. Coming up next, stay tuned. 16 stations strong. The Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. I grew up in Rockford, Illinois, too, about an hour and a half outside Chicago, so I know what it's like to kind of be to be a fan of the rivalry, so to be a part of it is pretty special, and uh, a lot of respect for this this game, you know, growing up, and I was I was cheering more for that side, the other side growing up, so it's kind of cool to be a part of it and be a Packer, um, but it's definitely going to be, you know, playoff atmosphere this Sunday in Lambeau because it's, uh, it's a rivalry game, and we're going to treat it that way. Welcome back to the program. Those are the words of Dean Lowry of the Green Bay Packers as uh, he's talking a little bit about the Packers-Bears rivalry. Welcome back. Speaking of rivals, we are here at Rivals, uh, as Rivals Sports Bar here in uh, Kenosha. Come on by and say hello. We're here till 8 o'clock this evening. Radio Joe Zanzola alongside. Mike Clemens is here as well. We're getting you ready for the games coming up not only tonight but this weekend with the NFL. Uh, breaking down a little bit more of this rivalry, the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears, they're going to get it on coming up uh, this Sunday, the 200th meeting. In the NFL's oldest rivalry with Aaron Rodgers as a starting quarterback again, 18-5, and five, including the playoffs against the Bears, with one loss coming in 2013 after he left the game with an injury on the first series. That was the Shea McClellan broken collarbone when he ended up leaving that game. In 23 games against Chicago, Rodgers has an overall passer rating of 103.2 and has posted a 100-plus passer rating in six of the last ten matchups, including a rating of 130.7 at Lambeau Field last year when he came back from that uh, fractured knee. We, we didn't know it was fractured at the time, but he got it uh, fractured in the first half of the game, came out of the game, then came back into the game a la Willis Reed and uh, dump trucked the, uh, the the Chicago Bears after that. Rodgers has six games with that passer rating of 125-plus against the Bears and the most by any quarterback against the Bears in NFL history. When you walk into the Packers locker room, They've got these giant black and white photos of great moments in Packers history, going all the way back to the Curly Lambeau days, 
to Bart Starr in the Lombardi era to Lynn Dickey in the Monday night football game against the Redskins, Brett Favre. And the newest one is that opener last year of Rodgers coming back and putting up that fourth quarter comeback and beating the Bears in prime time on Sunday night football. So Aaron Rodgers has the dominance, but does the rest of the team have the dominance? We talked a lot about the Bears uh, defense in that segment, Joe, in the last segment. What about the Packers defense? The first time we unleashed, or they unleashed, I shouldn't say we, but they unleashed the Smith brothers on, on Mr. Biskey, and he was smothered pretty much all day long. The way this, Bear, this Bears offense has been playing lately and the Packers defense has been playing lately, do we see a repeat of this, or is it going to be a real struggle for the Smith brothers to get to Mitch Trubisky? I mean, th- there, there is so much that worries me on this Packers defensive front. First of all, the run game. I mean, if you got David Montgomery, Tariq Cohen on your fantasy teams, you may want to play him this week because I could envision – Huge games out of both of those guys. Again, Tariq Cohen is someone that I, I, I feel like Matt Nagy doesn't use enough in his offense because he's so talented. I mean, obviously he can't be a bell cow running back because his body isn't fit that way, but David Montgomery, I think, could easily have his way up the middle here against this Packers front. And the thing is, you know, with the Smiths, you know, they, they looked good again last week against Washington. It was good to see them um, getting home a little bit. Preston Smith, there were a couple of times where he was just a half second from just bringing Haskins down before he was able to get rid of that football. They're going to have to do that. They need to do everything possible to make Mitch Trubisky uncomfortable because the more you can make him uncomfortable, the more you can keep him in the pocket, the better off you're going to be here. And if you can't do that, and Mitch Trubisky is able to easily maneuver out of the pocket, who on this defense is going to be a spy? Someone's going to have to spy on right. him. Because if they're if they're going to continue to let Mitch Trubisky run, which has really benefited him here the last couple of weeks, who on this defense is going to be a spy? Is it going to be Blake Martinez? Is Martinez going to have to do that? Is it B.J. Goodson? Who's going to have to keep an eye on Mitch Trubisky? Or do you spy him with a safety? Darnell Savage? Darnell Savage. Or would you let Adrian Amos... Adrian Amos has I'd been be a, okay with that. He doesn't get a lot of credit, but he's been kind of a stabilizing force back there in the secondary. Well, I also think that he's also – it seems that the, they've got him – when they move him up in the box a lot. Right. You know? That's what I'm saying. It, it could end up being Adrian Amos to spy Mitch Trubisky you know, if he starts running. I just – tomorrow I'll play for you. Um, you know, it, I, I, I'll tell you what – Short of winning the Super Bowl, my favorite game from 2019 is going to be week one. And even though it was just 10 to 3, I just thought that was so tremendous on how you spoiled your rival's party in their house in prime well, time with all the hype. And, yeah. And, I mean, remember the bands they had there? Live yeah, bands I, all day in Grant Park. And, I uh, still I go to that uh, the buzz in that city. We were down there for two days. And everywhere you went, they were talking about it. And the oddity was that normally the hotel where we stay, the Sheridan Four Points down there, is usually full of Packers fans. And it wasn't. It was out-of-town Bears fans coming in for parties, coming in for the concerts, coming in to kick off the season. It was people going to the concerts at Grand Park. It was people coming into town to, you know, be a part of the unveiling for the sweetness statue. Remember, they had all of that leading up to this. And the NFL put a lot of time and effort. They shut down Lake Drive. I mean, all of that going on. And then the Packers came in in what would be considered kind of a boring game. 
and didn't let him do anything. You were looking, like we had mentioned early on, you were looking for the second year of Mitch Trubisky in this offense, this defense to be unleashed on Aaron Rodgers and finish the job they started last year, and none of that happened. It was like after the first series and the Packers hit him and got a couple of sacks, and we are like, whoa, who's this Zedaria Smith cat? We you have know? a defense. We And Aaron Rodgers saying, we've got a defense. We've Remember a that defense. comment after the ballgame. I think and I was it, Preston and Zadarius coming up with those big plays right. on third down. Right. On third down. And they did it consistently. And and my thought at the time was that th- this just, it wasn't a loss. It was, and, and Herb Arkish, I think, said, uh, Hub Arkish had said this prior to the game. He had said this, there might be more anticipation for this game between the Packers and the Bears than there was during the NFC rivalry game. Yeah. And then I remember him talking about Adrian Amos going, well, the, the Bears have clearly won that deal between him and HaHa Clinton-Dix, and HaHa Clinton-Dix is going to give you more statistics and more picks, and he's going to come up bigger. And, and, you know, Adrian Amos is fine, but he just never was that, you know, spectacular player. And then damned if Adrian Amos didn't come up big in the end zone. With in that a clinching game. interception yeah. in the end so zone. Yep. It, it seemed like it just threw a giant bucket of cold water on their season, and they never recovered. It took them now – 11 weeks to kind of recover from that. So Ryan Pace goes with Mitchell Trubisky, who, in the draft three years ago, they got Mike Glennon as quarterback, and then he sucks. So then they eventually they paid him all that money, and they put the rookie out there, right? And then you could see some progress. Then year two, they get their 12-4, and four, and they, you know, they thought they found something. And then in year three, Matt Nagy is thinking, all right, this is the third year. Now I can unleash the playbook. This kid's had, you know, yeah. a year and a half of experience. And this will be just like what I did with Alex Smith in the Chiefs. You know, I can run the whole playbook. And 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 I'm so good at this is that I'll have that kid play in the OTAs and the mini camps and training camp, but I won't put him in the field in the preseason. We're that confident, man. Yeah. We're 12-4. and four. Their people are talking about us representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. So no snaps in the preseason. And they put him out there against this new defense and these new players – and second year of Mike Pettin, and they shut him out. And it, you know, I think it messed with their heads. And Trubisky spent the next four or five weeks trying to be a pocket quarterback who had to go through three, four, five progressions like Aaron Rodgers. He can't. He may never be able to. That's just not his game. Then he has the shoulder injury, you know, where he gets clobbered. Are you saying he's not a smart quarterback, Mike? No, I'm not. Yeah. No, I I'm am. Not. He's an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. he's 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 a football yeah, player, he's, Bill. He's a football he's player. He's a football player. And he's got a helmet. He's a and linebacker who happens to throw yeah. the ball nicely every he's, once in a he's while. He's not the sharpest knife in the drawer. So and, and and out in space he's running around the football, which is like, see, we, this is what happens to running quarterbacks. They get hurt. They take shots. So he's out a couple of weeks and Chase Daniels is running the offense and people are thinking, Hey, you know, this maybe we just go with you know, the backup quarterback controversy. And then the night where they're playing the Rams, and they're down by 10, there's three minutes, and they got the football, and then you see the head coach, Matt Nagy, with the play card, hiding his face while he's talking to Mitchell Trubisky, and the next thing you know is Trubisky sitting on the bench and Chase Daniels out there. And then they, they have to wait till the next day to say it was a hip. The yeah. guy had a hip injury. Okay, so all that stuff that Mitchell has been through. Yeah, I was hip to that. This goes, uh, this goes on his coach. This all goes on his coach. Oh, sure it does. So tomorrow on the Bill Michaels show, I'm going to play you. Oh, and to top it off of that opening night winner week one is to get that quote for Tremonta say, we just let Mitch play quarterback. We have a defense, and we wanted to we, let, we let, just Mitch let Mitch play, play quarterback. quarterback. So the reporters in Chicago yesterday said to Mitch, did you ever hear that quote? He claimed he didn't. 
And yeah, so, right. so we'll play that on tomorrow's show because, I mean, he. And all my kids were immaculate conception. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so then I talked to Matt Nagy on the teleconference about that, and, and I'll play that for you too about, I mean, so on, on here we are on Thanksgiving Day, and Mitch said, okay, I'm going to simplify the playbook. I'm going to let the kid throw. He's only got to think about one or two receivers, not mm-hmm. four or five, right. one or two in the progression, get to open lanes, and he has the option. If he wants to, tuck the football under and run for the first down, just protect your body. And he beats, he beats the Lions in Thanksgiving. And then he beats the Cowboys, and their defense steps up. You know, and Roquan Smith, too, against the Lions, 16 tackles and two sacks. That's only happened three times in the, in the history of the NFL. Reminds me of Lance Briggs. Yes. When Lance Briggs did that against the Packers. Uh, Lance Briggs had, always had big numbers against yeah. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in those days. So uh, so that's where we're at right now. And now now the, the Bears know, all right, we, you know, I mean, Lord knows what's going on with the Cowboys. That's supposed to be a good team, highly rated. We oh, stopped, you know. That train wreck is such a pleasure We stopped to Ezekiel Elliott and all yeah. that. We stopped Dak Prescott, a good quarterback. Uh, but now we've got to take on our rival. So, but I'll tell you what. They're out for this challenge. They're putting all their chips in. Yep. Their, their season depends on this, and I don't think they care if, if five guys have to leave the field on a truck. They're coming here to beat up the Green Bay Packers. They're coming here to beat them up, and it's going to be a hell of a football game I, when they kick it off at noon at Lambeau Field. I can't wait for tomorrow. Tomorrow, for those that don't know, we're going to be back down here in Kenosha again over at the Broad Shop, and we're going to be broadcasting uh, the Bill Michael Sports Talk Network, uh, our flagship station, uh, 1250 AM and 105.7 FM, The Fan out of Milwaukee. And uh, 670 the score from Chicago, a huge signal down there. We're all going to be at the Broad Stop doing our shows tomorrow from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. and just flat out cannot wait. So all the hype is going to begin really tomorrow, and then it's going to lead right up until game time. I, I double-check my insurance just to be, you know, in case something happens. Sure, sure. <laughs> I got there, it. There could be a brawl. Yeah, no, I, I've, I've got an ankle holster. Yeah. We're good. If I, you know, yeah. if, I, <laughs> if I fracture something in my cover. Okay. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, it's time. Let's look around the rest of the NFL. We'll make our picks coming up next to the Bill Michaels Huddle. Everywhere in Wisconsin, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. They look more, I guess, polished in a certain sense, just as any team would throughout the season. Just understanding their given scheme. Obviously, Mr. Bisky's playing really well as of late. Understanding his capabilities of being able to run the ball. He's starting to take those chances after certain reads are taken away to run the ball, get open, get 10, 20 yards, do those type of things. So it adds another dimension to their offense. There you go. Those are the words of Blake Martinez of your Green Bay Packers as uh, they get ready to take on the Bears this coming weekend at Lambeau Field. Yeah, he played uh, much of the month of November with a broken hand. Hello. Yeah, I saw that he uh, had just the two fingers taped and had a much smaller cast club or whatever yeah, you want to call you know, it. All the these hand. people that call him the next A.J. Hawk, well, that guy's in the team Hall of Fame. I mean, what? Uh, maybe he's not Rokon Smith with the tremendous speed that goes left to left or he's going to the Pro they Bowl every year. They want to be a But he's a, he's a heck of a good linebacker. And, you know, it was interesting is Mike Patton's knock on him in a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago was Blake sometimes is almost like a perfectionist. He maybe spends so much time worrying that everyone else is lined up just the right way that he's not just ready to go with the flow of the play and let his instinct take over, which might get him there a half step later in terms of that do your job kind of thing. But the fact is, 
it's good to know that he's that much of a coach on the field, that much of a quarterback for that defense, to know where everybody should be, that they understand where their gap assignment is uh, and, and help follow through. But really, uh, Blake Martinez gets this bad rap that I don't understand. The guy's leading in tackles. He's there to clean up what should be taken care of by the defensive line or sometimes when they shoot, you know, a guy like Ibrahim Campbell, you know, a hybrid safety and all that. And he, and he plays through injuries. He played through a, a, a goofy-looking ankle injury, got back on the field in the game against the Patriots, played a couple more games after that last season. He's available, tough guy, smart guy, good football player. Time now to take a look around uh, the rest of the NFL. you got a game that's in progress and an early score in this one, as a matter of fact. The New York Jets on the road at 5-8, and an eight, taking on the uh, Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Ravens sitting at 11-2 on the season, uh, even though the Ravens are already up a quick 7 and nothing, uh, It wasn't even going to continue to sway me in any way, shape, or form. The Ravens were going to win this game anyway, so uh, I'm going with the Ravens in this one. There is no comeback from uh, Sam Darnold and the Jets. Yeah, there's no analysis here from me. Uh, the Ravens are going to win. They're at home. Sorry, the, the Ravens win. I think they clinch if they win this one tonight, yes. right? The Ravens? Yep. Yeah, Ravens will win. Uh, the 10-3 and Seattle Seahawks go on the road against the 5-8 and Carolina Panthers with their new he interim head coach. Um, Seahawks, you know what? West Coast to East Coast is not difficult or is very difficult, but I don't think this is going to be a difficult game. Seattle still wins this ballgame. We're going away. Yeah, I, uh, the Panthers have been complete free fall. I mean, obviously you fire Ron Rivera on top of it. They just, they're, they're not themselves anymore. They're completely out of sync on offense. Uh, Seattle definitely needs this one this week. I'm rolling with Seattle. Even though Seattle's like the Packers 10-3, and three, they're in a tough division with the 49ers. Uh, right now, they're a wild card team. That's why they need this win. That's why I think they can get this win. This one's going to be interesting. So the 10-3 and three New England Patriots go on the road to Paul Brown Stadium, the scene of uh, another Spygate incident. At least, you know, they don't say it is, but apparently a pre-scout was on the road and had a, they were filming some kind of an independent film documentary on the life of a scout in which they began taking footage of the Bengals' sideline and coaches. Well, they got eight minutes of footage. Eight minutes of footage. And uh, the footage was immediately reported to the NFL. The Bengals feel that had that gone on, that, oh, by the way, they were taking all of their sides. We'll wait and see what, it, what if any, punishment is handed down by the NFL. But the Bengals blew the whistle. If you don't think Bill Belichick is going to beat the hell out of you, uh, I think you're sadly mistaken. I, I think the Bengals not only are going to get beat, they may get pushed into the river and float like turds downstream and end up in Louisville. <laughs> So uh, I'm going to say the Patriots by a bunch. Uh, this Patriots defense has been pretty dominant all year long. They have just taken it to every bad team they faced. Uh, I'm going to say that the defense gets at least a touchdown, and they're going to force four turnovers at least in this game. Patriots win big. From a football analysis on this latest Spygate, yeah. um, I take the words of Tony Dungy to say they're 1-12. I mean, really, do we think that the – after what they gave up in Spygate and Deflategate, that the Patriots, you know, would want to lose more draft picks and more cash, you know, spying on the Bengals. And, that this, and, and, and the information that you could get from a camera in a – you and I, we see this. We see these scouts right. next to us in the press box to get the signal. There's a hundred other ways to get that information. And you got coaches that are holding up the cards up to their mouth anyway and all these other kinds of things. Like, you know, Tony Judge is saying, I don't see what – 
what they could have gotten out of that video that to have to do I that. Agree. I agree. I think this the problem is Bill Belichick and his. Oh, I, I don't know anything about this, which is nonsense. Right. He knows everything. That's, he had to approve that Bill this documentary is, is being filmed. Bill is his own worst enemy, and this is the reason the obstinance and arrogance. And he got testy in the media session today, and said he didn't want to talk. Yesterday, said he didn't want to talk about it, and he kept going over the same thing. Got all pissed off, and these are legitimate questions being asked by the media. And they, you know what? If he was a little bit nicer, cat, you don't get hammered. But he, he's getting drilled because he's an ass. You know, you just got out and of... deservedly so. You just got out of Wall Pond for seven years for Robin Banks, you know? Right. And it's been about a year, and you open up your trunk in the parking lot of your new job, and there's three bank bags, you know, with right. red dye all over them. And the co-worker sees that and says, oh, um, uh, oh yeah, no, I'm, those are for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> right. You know... Uh-huh. By the way, on HBO... Yeah. Nick Saban and Bill Belichick have their uh, thing out. Oh yeah, they. Everybody thinks that Belichick has been doing this, you know, greatest one hundred. That stuff was all filmed in the off season. That's yeah. been in the can since June or July. Right. So this thing with Saban, same thing. I uh, I I think if you were really going to film the life of a scout, uh, film him in the off season, going to the massage parlors with Robert Kraft. There you go. That's what you want to film. Scouting out massage parlors. Not Mike yeah. Brown sleeping in his suite next door and going, oh, what's the camera in my face for? Uh, How are we looking? In the meantime, I agree with you, Bill. The <laughs> Patriots will be 11-3 and after their trip to Cincinnati. In the meantime, at the other end of town. Uh, by the way, I don't think much comes of this. I think they basically slap him a little bit and say, hey, guys, come on. You know, we got we got to do something, but come on, there's nothing here. I agree with you, and I agree with Tony Dungy. This is a joke. It, it, it was too. It was an independent film crew that they hired to come in and do this. And it's while they report to the Patriots. Yes, you know I, I don't. I don't think there's anything to this. The Buccaneers are on the road and they're taking on the Detroit Lions three nine and one. The Buccaneers sitting at six and seven. Uh, just my own personal policy. I will never ever ever take the Buccaneers whenever Jameis Winston is involved. I'll go with the Lions at home. Uh, I'll go with Tampa, but unfortunately for them, they're going to lose Mike Evans, I think, for the rest of the yeah, season. Yeah, he's done. He's done. Which, yeah. is, which really stinks. He was stinks. having a hell of a year, too. It's hard to figure out that Buccaneer offense. It's like some weeks they are so explosive, and other weeks it's just an absolute dud. Uh, but you know what? I, I I say the Buccaneers knock off the Lions in a close one at Ford Field. Yeah, I'll take the Buccaneers, actually. Uh, you got the Broncos on the road, and I only take the the. You know, I only take the Lions because I can't. Every time I pick, uh, what's his face, Jameis Winston, he loses. He throws just an absolutely trashy game, and then I hate myself all over again. Uh, five and eight, the Broncos are against the Chiefs, who are nine and four. The Chiefs are now playing good football. It looks like everything's back on track. The knee is not giving Patrick Mahomes any more problems. Uh, it, you see Kelsey even running the football now. They're getting more creative with the offense. Speaking of creating offenses, Chiefs get a win at home. Really bizarre to see the Houston Texans play like crap last week against Denver. You know, you come off of that win against the New England Patriots, and then the Broncos just stick it to you. That 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 is one of those games that I just I can't get over. But I think the Chiefs will take care of business. Remember too, when the Chiefs played the Broncos last time, that's when Mahomes went down with that injury. Matt Moore came in and did pretty well, and the defense had a really good game too. I'm going to say the Chiefs win an Arrowhead. Yeah, not only the, the knee for Patrick, but it's also an ankle and a hand injury he's dealt with the last couple right. of weeks, too. His numbers are not that great. Do you know that you know, last year, Patrick Mahomes throws 50 touchdowns, wins the MVP? No quarterback in the NFL right now has more than 30. It's crazy. Yeah. Lamar Jackson's got 
28, and most of those is because he runs and runs. They get in the red zone, and then he throws to one of his tight ends, touchdown. And Rodgers thinks it's because of pass interference, right? That's, that's right. That's yeah. right. We asked him about that yesterday. He said, hey, I, he said, I predicted this. You think you're going to start calling defensive interference? You're going to call pass interference. But in the meantime, I'll take the Chiefs at home over the improving Broncos. When we come back, we'll roll through quickly the rest of the NFL schedule. Stay tuned. Final segment of the Bill Michaels Huddle coming up next. Wisconsin-wide, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. made the playoffs one double digit games have you been able to enjoy this or not when you got the chicago bears coming into town <laughs> they're uh, uh i mean right now the whole sole focus is is the north and chicago they're, they're the ones coming in and when you put the tape on and watch their defense that'll that'll keep you up at night um so i think that's really the only focus we have right now and just want to keep it going as long as possible Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett this afternoon. Those are the words, yeah, Nathaniel Hackett, and uh, he's right. Right now it's great to talk about the rivalry, but they, they got they got work ahead of them. Real quick, we're going to run through the rest of the NFL. Uh, Dolphins on the road. These two teams, Dolphins and Giants, 5-21 and 21 between them, taking the Giants at home. What a yawner of a game. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go with the Dolphins and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Why not? A stew beard gets it done. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the Dolphins because Eli let me down so much. He had the ball in his hands against the Eagles and couldn't pull out a win. Yeah. Couldn't convert on fourth down. Uh, Texas on the road against the 8-5 and five Titans. Both teams looking for a victory to try to keep some playoff hopes alive. Uh, I'm going to go with the Texans and Sean Watson. I think they bounce back this week. Yeah. I, again, talking about the Texans in the last break, I just, don't, I just can't figure them out sometimes. The Titans, the Titans are kind of an underrated team. Both sides of the football. Ryan Tannehill's actually been playing pretty well at quarterback for them. I'm going to say the Titans win in a close one. They're going to upset the Texans. Yeah, I'm going to go with Tennessee, too. The odds makers have got them by three. I'll go with the Titans. Eagles on the road taking on the Redskins. Redskins 3-10. and 10. Eagles 6-7. and seven. Eagles have to win to stay in the hunt and uh, get a, get on top of Dallas. I'm going to take the Eagles. they got something to play for. Feels like this Eagles team's going to end up winning the NFC East. I'm going to go with the Eagles as well. Doug Peterson said that Carson Wentz win in overtime over the Giants. His best game yet is an Eagle. How about that? I'll say, six and seven. I'll say Peterson. Uh, <laughs> I'll say I'll go with the Eagles and Doug Peterson. Well, here, here's the other reason they get a win is because the Cowboys are at home against the Rams. The Rams are 8-5. and five, The Cowboys are 6-7. and seven. This could be their third straight loss, which would send Jerry Jones careening off of a cliff somewhere, I that think. That screaming you hear. Is in my pillow. Now. Yeah, yeah, that eerie yeah. sound. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say the Cowboys lose and go to 6-8. and eight. Wow. Eagles take over the top spot in the NFC East. Yeah, the Rams are just red hot right now. They're getting hot at the right time, which is just huge. Uh, it seems like Jared Goff has kind of gotten himself back on track. Todd Gurley's been They're running good. the offense, Joe. They're what? running the offense. What took Finally. so long? Well, they're saving Todd Gurley, I guess. You know, and, and, oh, no, the, the other thing is the three injuries they had in the offensive line, they couldn't execute. That is true. Yeah, good point. Good it's point. complicated. I'll take the Rams. Well, I'm going to take the Rams, too. But one thing will always remain constant in Dallas, and that's the brisket. Yeah, the brisket. brisket. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Six and seven Browns on the road, taking on a three and nine and one Cardinals. Uh, I'm just going to take the Browns just because. Even though I like Kyler Murray, I'm going to take the Browns. Uh, yeah. I'll go with the Browns. Baker Mayfield is a good game against Arizona. I'm going to take the Cardinals. I'm going to take the Cardinals. I think they play with some pride. They play tough at home. 
I'm going to take the Cardinals. Nine and four Vikings on the road taking on the five and eight Chargers, who since they beat Green Bay have not played very good football, to be honest with you. Uh, I hate to say it, but I got the Vikings on the road. Well, it would be nice if the Chargers could do to the Vikings what they did to the Green Bay Packers, but mm, nah, I don't, I, that's wishful thinking. I'm going to go with the Vikings. Vikings, something to play for. Uh, you got to give them a, the, the edge to win. Jaguars four and nine against a free fall Raiders team at six and seven. Uh, as much as I'd like to say Minshew Mania and continues on with the Jaguars, I'm going to take the Raiders uh, at home to go to the 7-7 seven and seven on the season. Raiders are due for a bounce back. They, they need to get themselves back on track. I, I think I think John Gruden has done a pretty good job in Oakland, all things considered. Give me the Raiders. If I'm not mistaken, this is the last game at the Coliseum? It is. Yes. Last game at the yeah. Coliseum. It'll be a big day. Raiders. I'm taking yeah. Raiders. Uh, then we uh, have the Falcons, who are 4-9, on the road, taking on the 49ers, who are 11-2, ers uh, all day long. Mm. Yeah, I'll go with the 49ers. The, the Falcons, though, they, that's another team that got off to such a crappy start to the season. They've, they've played better football as of late. I'll say 49ers win in a close one. Nah, Santa, they're at Santa Clara, 49ers will take care of business. Uh, Bills nine and four on the road against the eight and five Steelers, who are seven and one since starting the season. One and four. Uh, we only got about a minute here, but I'm going to take the Steelers at Heinz Field. The Bills go to nine and five. Man, that's a great matchup. And again, Buffalo's another team that continues to fly under the radar. Wow. I, I guess since going that third string quarterback for Pittsburgh. Yes. You know what? Yes. Uh, I don't know, man. That, that, that's, that's a flip of a coin. I, I'll go with the Steelers just because they're at home. I'm taking Buffalo because I'm a Josh Allen fan. There okay. you go. Colts 6-7, and seven, Saints 10-3, and three, Monday Night Football, Saints all day at home. Saints. Yeah, Saints. And then you got the Green Bay Packers at home, the rivalry game. And this is 200 meetings. Packers 10-3, Bears 7-6. and six. I'm taking the Packers 24-21 in a close one. I have been picking the Packers to win for the last three months. The last time I picked against them was actually against the Chicago Bears because I had a lot of questions about this Packers team. I didn't expect them to win that game. Since then, I picked the Packers every single week. But I said earlier in the show, I feel eerie about this game. Something don't feel right in Joe's stomach, except good wings. Um, I'm going to say the Bears win in an upset. It's going to be very close, 19-16. A lot of field goals. All right, goals. mark the tape. Um, yep. I, I think the Bears will have to kick a couple of field goals. 24-20, Packers. I have the Packers winning, but on a missed last-second field goal by Eddie Pinheiro. Oh, I'll take You want to call your shot, I'm calling my shot. I'm calling my <laughs> shot right now. That sound of joy you hear will be me laughing from the Green Bay press box. <laughs> That's it. We're uh, live down here at Rivals. Don't forget, big day tomorrow coming up over at the Broad Stop. Tremont, what would you think of the game? We just let Eddie Pinheiro yeah, be Eddie. Yeah, we just let Eddie be Eddie. <laughs> let Eddie be Eddie, baby. For uh, Mike Clemens, Radio Joe Zola, I'm Bill Michaels. Thanks to Bud Light for being a part of the program. Thanks to you for being here. Time for us to go. Have a go and shoot Listening to the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or 
I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 